Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One, two, 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 two. Got a healthy game level coming through. Yeah. up front, yep. You seem to know better than me. I'm not a sound guy, so... I, I, try, I try and pretend to be. <laughs> <laughs> but I study film and TV. Was I? I study film and TV. Yeah? As opposed to... I'm not the opposite of this. What's it like fil- studying film and TV? Not great. No? Uh, I think it'll get better, but I don't know. It's right. Studying any kind of art form is a bit... Uh, it's weird, isn't it? It's like... Is like how do you quantify art into something that could be like like a Sibelius or a Mart? Even like, like yeah, try to grade upon it is yeah. I suppose that's point. when I suppose that's when it was audio engineering. It was like ah uh, well, it was okay, different because it was like you teach you techniques and it was like oh now you've done that wrong. That sounds like shit. Like it's not music, yeah, music's like, fine. Yeah. Music's fine, but it's like nah, you've you've, you've fucking you've put you're facing the wrong way from the mic <laughs> like I did that in my first fucking exam and it was bad like, what did you study audio engineering I did yeah, yeah. Um, SE down the road how was that you know first year was great first year was amazing really intense course um, and the second year it wasn't for me no no so I just left <laughs> and ah, then, then I went so you... back then I went back a year later to try second year again and quickly realised again it's not for me wait but could you go straight back into second year yeah, you dropped it. That's quite. That's alright. Unless you don't have to go back to start. It was. It was decent, but then I literally was only there for two months, the second time around, and it's just like that's absolutely useless. Like, <laughs> it, what 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 the second year was, it was just totally not for me. Maybe it's different now. That was, oh my god, that was five years ago. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any of that that you, like, still you must still use some of the stuff from that? Pardon me, sorry? You must still use some of the stuff from that day and what you did today. Uh, Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the first year I learned so much, like so, so, so much about actual audio engineering. And yeah, use it all the time when, because we record, well, we record all the time in in my room and that. And just the the techniques you use from that, you 100% hone them in and it's fun to use them. 
Yeah. Mm. I've actually so I've started recording. So we're on, we're on the go. Good. Uh, yeah. I'm say hello. So hello, Jan Carlo. Jan Luca. Jan Luca. Jan Carlo. Jan Carlo's my dad. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. So are you are you Italian or? My dad's Italian. Dad's Italian. Kind of. Not really. But aye. <laughs> <laughs> and then so did you come over to Glasgow and then so have you have you stated like all your life or? Yeah, man, yeah. I was born in Paisley. So was my dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like my great granddad, great ah, right, well, beast right. non. He was Italian. Was it back in the nineteen tens? Quite a lot of Italians came over and stuff. And you know, it could have been. It, yeah. it, it very well could have been. I studied in. Uh, I remember we learned a wee bit about history in school. Aye. I think it was like a, like quite a big like immigration. I don't know why came over maybe just after the war or before the war I think that would have been just before then yeah the first one probably before like, the first one the first first war Jesus <laughs> we're, I, we're, I, we're steadily approaching the third one. Oh, I cannot wait man <laughs> I, I think yeah it's weird yeah. it's weird what did your mum and dad do in Paisley for well for, what did they what was their kind of living what did they well I was saying well, my dad works in, in Merrins as we said in that restaurant my mum's a hairdresser in Mary Hill did they are they into music at all? Or? You know, my, yeah, definitely. I mean, mum's side is Irish. Well, down from that, mum's quite into back in the day, like Jimmy Somerville, and uh, like Men at Work and stuff like that. My dad was more into like Mark Boland and really anything. But I suppose not massive music fans. Like none, none, none of the musicians apart from my mum's side. Just other extended family that are yeah. musicians, but. They were just more into music just for, for, for pleasure, which is good. What hooked you then? How did you kind of get reeled in? Because in... um, I felt like I needed something to do. <laughs> I think when, I was, when I was very young, I felt like I did nothing. But I was like aware of it. it what, was like, what kind of age? Um, when you're like 10, 11. That's quite young to be, to be aware of that though. I don't know, I was just aware. It's like everyone, people are like really good at like, you know, football or rugby or something. and Or people are like, I know a lot of people who were like, we're good actors yeah. or we're good at singing but I was like I can't right I'm not good at anything I'm not good at that I need to find something that I'm good at I don't know it's probably just a lot of like anxiety maybe like yeah. just but then went to when I started secondary school got into I liked guitar so I got into that and then just like ah, that's my thing I'll do that <laughs> so was that what you started like at 10 you started playing guitar then no, well I think it was like 13 when I went to high 13, school yeah, but it was, it was like maybe like the a couple of years I've been like I don't know what I'm doing I've just got a PS2 this is fine <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really do much I said before as well because we were obviously having a wee bit of chat off air mm. I said we'd save it for the podcast because I wanted, I wanted to start with I'm Alex oh, yes. I wanted to start with another Alex yes Alex Kipranos, the big man who was that your show in London yes because I remember seeing it on Instagram what was the story there he's been a fan apparently <laughs> um, <laughs> since our, our um, one of the members of our team Ollie knows him knows him quite well and he sent the album through when we first played London in May of last year and then he was unable to make it down and that and then when we were going in the van down Ollie, Ollie texted us and said oh Alex is going to be there I was like oh cool it's, it's class <laughs> like, and then he was he's just he's just really nice he seemed to be loving it I, right. he was apparently he was like dancing in front of me and Mary for the whole time but you were turning the I was I was too much in the zone too busy trying to work London on like a Tuesday night like but he's a good dancer as well he is we watched back some of their music videos he oh, like, no he's got it down man he's, he's got a cool it, guy <laughs> he's, he's really cool but yeah he, he stayed and talked to us for a bit after he's absolutely lovely 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 chat yeah 
were they quite a big influence upon you? Because I kind of hear, listen, like Franz Ferdinand's first album. Mm. Some of the stuff like the guitars on that. What's the what's the second song on that album? Um, um, I've actually, I've got it written down actually. You got um, it. Tower Tonight. Tower the way tonight. the guitars go back and forth on that. Yeah. That reminds me of some of the stuff for years. Yeah, I mean, that was like one of the first album albums that I, I knew kind of was there. Because I mean, that came out when I was nine. And I also had my, my wee portable CD player. But that's like, that was one of the like the three albums in circulation that I just kept listening to all the time. And then, obviously, being on my mum's hairdresser quite a lot when I was younger. Always the radio. They were rapping on the radio all the time then. Yeah. So it was like, first kind of like, Memories of like musical association, so it's like oh, but that when um what's the, the the first thing go off the second album, it was like do you want to when that came on, I was like, oh that sounds like that. I was like that was like the first time you could like associate that being a young wee guy. I remember when I was young, and just being about and like the radio would come on, mm. and there was like certain bands that I could like recognize on the radio even from like four years old or whatever. It's so, like Coldplay would come on the radio and I'd be like. That's Coldplay. Aye. I think Snow Patrol was another one. Like, oh yeah, those kind of bands kicking. Who were the other two albums that you said that were kind of in circulation? One was a uh, one's kind of a cheat. One's was a double disc um, Cream dance anthems from two thousand and one. Amazing, and the other one was Discovery by Daft Punk. Yeah, that's right. Well, actually, that stands it, up. That album as well. That album's still oh no, it's, oh it's it's incredible. Well, that that and the first Scissor Sisters album. Yeah, insane album. When did the first uh, Soul Sisters album drop? That must have been either two thousand three or two thousand four yeah. as well. Like, they're a band you don't hear as much about now, actually. I, I, Jake, Jake Shears put a soul album last year, and it was good. Yeah, I think it got. I think I think they're more. It was more for like the kind of cult fans, maybe. But the songs in it were incredible. Yeah, yeah. But I quite like sometimes albums like that when they kind of you know front person goes off and does something a bit different and kind of it's a bit self indulgent, but it's still quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was quite. It was quite. Barroom Western, a wee bit, actually, if I remember correctly. But it's good. Yeah. Did you listen to uh, the SLP album that came out last I, year? I did, yeah. Um, you? I, you know, I'm into it. I do like a lot a lot of songs on it. I, I, I wasn't hopeful, though. I like you say, I mean, yeah. I, and, but when I heard that tune with Little Sims, I, I thought it was the worst thing I'd ever heard in my life. <laughs> to be fair, Little Sims was great on it. Yeah. I'm a big fan, but I just thought that... That so- chorus is shit, though. <laughs> It's terrible. Can, you we, my can, can, we, can we swear? Yeah, go. Oh, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, but but the rest, but that was like the rest of the album. I really really enjoyed. Yeah, quite some really interesting stuff on that. Quite romantic in places. Yeah, it's not some like kind of orchestral things going on in, in wee bits as well. Yeah, like Morricone type stuff. It's you know? total Morricone in bits. Yeah. yeah, absolute spaghetti. <laughs> yeah. It's weird to see how many artists are influenced by him. Like me, look at like Alex Turner as well. Yeah, it takes a lot from him. Mm. It's not someone you would expect to kind of have such an influence upon a lot of these bands. Well, Even Kasabian, they like Stevie and things like that, and that tune. Mm. That's very Marconi as well. Oh no, absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, we can talk about Alex Turner and that, and then Last Shadow Puppets first album. I didn't really listen to the second that much, but that was essentially a spaghetti western soundtrack. Yeah, it's a bit of a Scott Walker mm. rip off as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little bit too much. I prefer the second one, to be honest. Out of those two. I think the second one was... I listened to bits of it and it was it was really good. But I, I just remember when that first album came out, I was like, ah, oh, this is great. But it was like still at the start of secondary school. And Favourite Worst Nightmare just came out. And I'd just be like, oh wait, or it been out for a... a year, it was a year after, wasn't it? It was yeah. a year after, but I just I just got onto it a bit late. And I was like, wait, 
but that's just came out. How did he have time? Did that to not work? <laughs> that happens not take four years to make. <laughs> but no. Nah. Did you do you ever do that where you like leave a bit of time before you listen to an album after it comes out? Like what you saying how you only caught on to favourite worst nightmare? Do yeah. you ever deliberately leave a bit of time? Um, I think I think I'm doing it right now with the Stormzy album. Have you not listened to it yet? I'll obviously listen to the singles. I I, I like Stormzy a lot. We've seen him at Transmit last year. It was amazing. Um, But I've yet to listen to the big album. But it's it's not... I don't think it's deliberate. It's just... It's just time. Trying to find time. Yeah. Yeah. No. Because I've not listened to Fall's second album from this last year yet. Yeah. Quite deliberately because I don't want to because I'm still quite happy with the first one at the minute and there probably won't be another Fall's album for... Another while. Three. So other than the first single that came out, I've heard nothing off it. But. It's it's good. I, I I mean, definitely in this endless debate with my other half about what is better, she prefers second. I'm adamant that the first part is better. But both great albums. Yeah. <laughs> are they? They're playing. They're a bit. We wouldn't be in the transport lineup next year, actually. They're yes, a they bit are. Out of place. Like yeah. compared to kind of what they're going for and a bit more did you do transmit first year we did it the first year yeah that was a good time like yeah how was what did you was it king touch stage you did or? king touch stage we were second on just after what and just before peace charlotte at the same time as everything everything which i was a bit gutted about we you missed them i missed them oh one of my favorite bands <laughs> like but yeah as i said that was that was great that was a great gig was it the same as a touch stage i was been in like the same same area same area yeah i think it's slightly bigger now I mean, the, the lineup they had in that last year was pretty pretty mental, like some of the bands. Who was on it again? Fontaines did it in... Mm. Oh, this is where all the names escape me. When, actually, you ever heard this band, Wen Young? It's oh, yeah, one of the bigger yeah, ones, yeah. But they are really good, and I they were on it. I like Wen Young. Cool. Cool band. And you said, like, Retro and Dunce and yeah, all yeah. those bands. I think the Hunter headlined it, though, didn't they? The Hunter did headline it, I believe. It's yeah. quite a big band, that one, you King Touch stage. I suppose so, yeah. But I miss quite the... I, I never got to experience the... Um, Tea break stage. <laughs> tea in the park. Jesus Christ, the tea break stage. <laughs> oh, that was the worst gig we've ever played. That was the really? worst gig we've ever played. It was hilarious. Just, why? Um, it was because of equipment breaking down. So the way the way we run our set is like we, we need some like click tracks and th- for like keyboards that would literally eight arms aren't enough to play <laughs> and essentially what had happened is we changed out the interface that we use for one that could fit in like a flight case that was a bit more safe yeah and then it, it, it just did not work it like so what's going to happen is like a feed going out the front there's a feed going to Duncan for his click and then there's a midi going out to me and Mary's guitar pedals and then it just started off it crashed it completely crashed we brought out the spare one really quickly and then it worked out that Duncan didn't have his click, he had the front of house thing, so he was just going off basically thin air, our midi stopped working, we panicked a wee bit, Maddie started singing Wuthering Heights, <laughs> it was that. <laughs> the you know, Kate Bush song. Yeah, Kate Bush, yeah. And you know what, seeing hindsight, it was it was fine, it, yeah. it was fine, but we, uh, we literally thought the world had ended. I guess at the time, and then t- then 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 Teen the Park ended like that year. So, <laughs> aye, because that was unexpected as well, wasn't it? Yeah, like, that wasn't. Did you know it was the last year when you played it? No, no, no one knew. As far as I know, it's sad to think. I know. Well, what a shame. Like, I yearn, I yearn for, I yearn, I yearn for Balado. Yeah, I never went. Oh, it was great. Did you used to go kind of grown up and stuff? And oh, I, I've, well, I only went 
twice. Twice. I only went in twenty thirteen and the year we played twenty sixteen. Twenty thirteen was like the really hot year with like the <laughs> dust clouds and oh fucking brilliant. So good. Did you get a free pass for the whole weekend when you went in twenty sixteen? Or were you just there for the day that you were kinda We went we, we played on the Saturday. So we arrived on the Saturday and we left on the Monday morning. I think we just blagged it. Maybe. I don't know. Just no, 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 no. just didn't no. leave the site. We got past it. If anyone from TF is listening, we we, we were there completely fine above board. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> right, we well, need to because you have an album out. Yes. It's just something we need to have a bit of a chat about. Okay. I read that it started in twenty twelve, the recordings for that. Demos did. So, what was starting what kind of was blossoming back then beginning well I was doing my hires I was bored of doing my hires so I was just doing demos on my computer and saying I was studying and I mean the first thing to come out of it was the knife um, the riff for that and it was like this weird like French house tune at the time it didn't have any lyrics but it had like the top line the melody and the chords and like the back of it, it sounded like Jupiter a wee bit like yeah that's essentially that's, that's the furthest back bit I mean the next the next bit is the next kind of point in that is like 2014 when the like when we'd actually formed yeah. and Days Go By was written for the first time so did you not form in 2012 when you first wrote the the part of the knife well we we, we we were still in like di- we were in different bands at that point so I was still in the band with Duncan called Crown of Storms and that was a two piece dubstep band <laughs> that's a good that's a, it's a good name for a band actually oh it's a fantastic it's a fantastic name for a band <laughs> like, but they'll be back at some point we were doing it was essentially the Royal Blood thing before Royal Blood was even a band kind of uh, what's the other band the American one uh, Death from Above no uh, b- 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 uh, Black Keys Black Keys yeah, yeah but except it, it was like proper like like kind of like like them boat a wee bit that was like our big a big thing and then I was just doing random demos just of like anything I liked and Matthew was in the band Heterodox, which is another dubstep band. I will say, they were the heaviest band I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> we went on the Hit the Road tour with them, like in 2012, and oh, they were great. They yeah. were in class. And then me and Duncan were in our band with Mary doing this called The Creators, which was great. It was a wee Sunday band. Yeah. And then we could. Is it quite different to what you're doing? Yeah, right? I, yeah. I think it was all quite different. Like, I mean, that was. Yeah, I mean, it was all, it was all being young and that. Some good tunes, though. Mary, like Mary's, the songs Mary wrote for that were incredible. Like, yeah, if I remember correctly, no, they were fantastic. Like back in the day, I think the song I first heard of yours was "Shake It." Oh yeah. When did you? That's the song. Actually, I've got what are the three things I've got written down here. I've got written sit vocal melodies, killer guitars, and infectious hooks. Yeah, and that's basically your kind of whole catalogue. <laughs> kind of summarised as well pretty much yeah. when did when did you figure out that like the way that your kind of vocals like complemented each other and worked because that must have been quite a a moment that must have been a moment where you kind of realised we've, we've got something here maybe a wee bit or... it was, well the way it started it was like it was just me playing a bunch of keyboards like and doing some random gigs and all that and then I was just like oh I'm bored I don't like being by myself because you did it was a vegan other like a solo moniker before yeah it was, I mean it, I, yeah it was just because I had a bunch of keyboards and I just wanted to like go up and essentially just play like sleazies and broadcast and just go <laughs> like and just do stuff like that and then I was like ah I'm actually writing some actual songs it'd be good if we had a band so I was like Duncan Matt come on let's do it we did a couple of gigs for about a year for the three of us and then I had the song Well Live Days Go By the original one and I was just like no we need I want Mary to sing on this 
Yeah. I was like, Mary, can you come sing in this please? She's like, aye, fine, whatever. <laughs> and then uh, we did we did that, played the song out. We played it like as a three-piece a little bit with like Mary being on the back and track and that. Well, what you do when you're 19, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're like, Mary, just, just be in the band. And we're like, yeah, cool. And then, and then we just started writing songs just based on that. Yeah, it was... Because me and Mary, we've been in bands, but we never actually sung together. Yeah. So... We just worked out. It's like, but Mary, you can actually sing. I can't. <laughs> and it just it just worked from there, and we just you just refine it as you go along. I think. Do you write with each other now as well? well yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we we write with each other like a lot. Was that? How does that compare to writing on your own? Oh, so much better. Yeah, so much better. Like, I think it gets focus to like a session to say like, if I'm by myself, I'll like work on something for half an hour, make six like eight bars that sound really good and I'll, I'll get bored and I'll want something else whereas like Mary's like alright that's cool or we'll, or we'll go through those and we're like oh that's good let's focus on that and expand this, and then write lyrics and then blah 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 so definitely a lot more focused when writing with Mary do you have to go to a place to write? do you have to my bedroom <laughs> <laughs> like let's, we've just got a big speaker set up and a bunch of mics and everything you would ever want is it kind of like a wee home studio yeah, type yeah, thing yeah. so do all the songs like start off on a computer or yeah yeah, yeah. so we'll just do that and then we'll, we'll come to like We'll bring Matt in, he'll do his thing, he'll write his bass lines, and then we'll get Duncan, like, we'll just jam it with Duncan, and like, Duncan, just, we'll literally just say, we'll write it, and we'll just say to Matt and Duncan, like, just do what you want here, guys, we know, we'll know you'll be good, we'll, we'll know it'll sound good. So, you need trust in a band, though, so it's quite good that you... Yeah, yeah, of course, and, you know, everyone's everyone's good at what they do, so we've never, never felt bad about just saying, ah... Just do Matt, what you do. Matt, do what you want. And I think I think recording with, with, with Paul Savage definitely helped that a wee bit. It helped open up a wee bit and just be like, Aye. Yeah. Uh, was it was it uh, 19 Chem? Is that the name uh, of it? Chem 19. Chem 19. Yeah, so yeah. close. It's close, man. It's close. Because <laughs> but he, he's worked on, he was doing that whole kind of 90s Scottish scene, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like with like Mogwai and Car Obscura. He was in the Delgados as well. Like, he was, he's a great guy. He's class. When did you first get involved with... Like, when did you kind of... The discussion start that we were going to do the album with him? We'd had the songs ready. We'd had about 20 tunes ready. And we were just talking amongst the four of us. It's like, right, we want to go to a studio and record this. We've got a budget. We want to go into an actual studio and focus on it. Just because we've got the luxury right now. We won't have that luxury in the future, probably. So, and we're just like... Kim 19 was always always the option there was like talk about me going elsewhere but then we're like ah it's close now Kevin 19 was the, then we're like that and then we just we just like emailed up Emma Pollock and it was like hey we want we want to come record here <laughs> can we and they're like yeah sure come and we'll talk and all that we'll get a plan and then it was just yeah went in where about is the studio uh, it must be, it's in Glasgow is it it's in Blantyre so it's like down the M74 off at the Wraith Interchange go up a, I forget the road and then come off Blantyre so it's about it's about 40 minutes from my house that's alright not too bad easy days how long were you in there for when so, you were in doing the so it was kind of like it was kind of like three weeks at a time and then with like three weeks off and three weeks back on and three weeks off and then like three weeks on and then like maybe a month and a bit off and then like that so, so that, were you having to like book time off work and stuff to go in and yeah how did you, you yeah so I mean I was because I work kind of flex time so I would go to work in the night times when we would finish because we'd finish at 6 o'clock every day so you would be in the studio all day yeah and then go out and work at night aye were you sleeping or how did you 
you sleep when you come home. Like, you sleep fine. Like, nah, there's always plenty of time in the day. Yeah. Anyone says there's not enough hours in the day is wrong. There's, there's plenty of hours in the day. But, yeah, I mean, like, so I was there every day, but then maybe like some people would only come in Sundays, some people would come in other days, but we would just focus on who was doing what and what, and then we were mixing. We tried our best, all four of us, to be there. I think I only missed three hours one day, and it was coming back up from the cure in London. That's a, I think that's a pretty good excuse for uh, Not on my watch. <laughs> so you only missed three hours out of all the... Well, maybe maybe it was more five hours. I don't know. <laughs> like, that's still that's impressive that you were there for the whole... What well, did you put down first? The first thing we did was drums and bass all together. Duncan and Matt did 15 songs in two and a half days. Like 15 songs in two and a half days? Yeah, just... In the same room, looking at each other, it was brilliant. That's crazy. It was great. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then we're all, me and Myra were like, "Oh, this is that's going to take no time." And then it was like, "Ah, oh, it's, it's four months have passed. Just, just two more weeks. <laughs> ah, six months have passed. Just another two weeks." And then we're like, right, we need to stop this now. It's going, yeah, to, it's going too far. Yeah. <laughs> we need to mix this now. <laughs> I read as well. Um, I think it was Myra did an interview. She said that. Like she was speaking about the influences for the album, and she mm. said that the drum sounds on it were really influenced by like David Bowie's "Low." Yeah, how does that work? Do you like listen to David Bowie's "Low" and you're like, "I like the drum sounds on that." I want something like that. Are you consciously always listening for that and looking for things that you like and that you want? Or a hundred percent. That's that's like totally. I think we can we'll base like so, like songs like full songs around like a sound or something like that. I suppose when it came to that particular thing, what Matt was talking about, that and Shaka Khan. It was that was that was Paul Savage's shout because he has like this effects unit that they used on both those records to put like the snares and the kicks through, and he was like, "Here, get that on there. What do you think of this?" And we're like, "Ah, that's class, brilliant. Do that, Paul." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that your favorite boy album? Or favorite boy album? Gosh, what's my favorite boy album? You've got to be careful what you say here. You know, the more I think about it, and the more, the more I like Black Star. It's a good album. I, I like it because Matt did the start to end things a few times when they played Black Star and Phil and I listened to it a lot just by like going to see him play. But maybe Hunky Dory. Yeah, I like Hunky Dory. They're both quite different albums, though. Yeah, Black Star. I think just because what happened, obviously, in the days following it, he mm. basically made an album about his death. Yeah, that was a spooky mm. time. That was really spooky. He had it all planned out. He he knew. He yeah, knew what he, was. He absolutely knew what was happening to him. He knew when it was going to happen, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I'd say Hunky Dory. I like I like changes. That's on that's on that album. That's isn't a it? happy song. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I like. <laughs> Shrek. I like. Um, <laughs> you're listening to Station to Station. Uh, yeah, I, I do like Station to Station to Station. Yeah. What's yeah? It's, What's, was, that, was it was it one of the Berlin trilogy that Low was part of as well? Maybe. What was th- there was three? It was Low. Oh. Um, oh. Hey Siri. Was Station to Station part of the Berlin Trilogy? One moment. I don't know who the band members are for Berlin. Right, oh, right, whatever. whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's just say yes. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll take it back to... Or back to your music, rather, because started off on... Oh, keep going on tangents. Started off on Shake It. Yeah. Because you also did the... Did you direct the music video for that as well, as the band? Yeah, so, I mean, we all, we all kind of chipped in on that because we, we went we went to um the Park Lane studio and we just got a bunch of pink sheets put them up the wall and just recorded a bunch of just things 
with Cameron Brisbane and then another thing it was like ah two months have passed it'll be ready in two weeks (laughs) and then I mean the video we were not organised with that it came out a lot later and then we just edited together a bunch of things I like that video though it's good it's trippy as well like when the things start happening yeah different layers and things like that see I had a really bad computer at the time and it took it took me like two days to get all the psychedelic because we wanted to just be like really yeah. weird and psychedelic but we just got around and said aye that looks weird put that in that's cool whatever <laughs> like yeah because you've done you did like the animation and stuff for quite a few other ones as well didn't you yeah you did the the hit did you do that yourself as well or? I, I did that with Eric uh, and Casper from Humble Films Humble Humble Films Studios um, so they, they did a lot of the filming and then a lot of the kind of effects on me and Mary are, ourselves so they did a lot of that whereas I did a lot of the animations, so the background animations and the little like nimbles coming out of Matthew's hands. So do you do animation quite a lot? A little bit. I mean, I did the heavy-handed video. Yeah, that's cool as well. That's another trippy one. That was that was that was that was trippy. It was good, but it was it was like a solid fourteen-hour day. Because once again, it was all deadlines. Yeah, and we're like, oh, well, especially when you try to push the record at that point, and you need stuff out to yeah. keep the momentum going and things like that. And you're like, oh, this thing was out on Monday. Or it's like on Friday maybe or Monday or whatever, and it's like oh but this video needs to be out that day as well. And you're like oh Jesus Christ, like so you just like just clear everything and you just go and just try and make things. <laughs> yeah, was that one of the toughest things with the record, like having to get all the promo and having to continually push it and stuff? Because it must have been a pretty intense it's couple in- months. It's intense, but I think I think we're we're very we're very organised at the start, and that made things a lot easier. Yeah, kind of laid down the groundwork and then yeah. That that made that made everything that came afterwards definitely a lot easier than what we've done in the past, and well, even now going forward we will learn from things we should have we should have done. Yeah, for the next one. Yeah, for the next album, and the next one after that, and the next one after that. <laughs> Maybe. What sort of stuff did you lay down for the groundwork when you're speaking about that? So it was essentially just like timelines. Yeah. What what when you wanted stuff out and yeah yeah. So like you work with a team and it's like once everyone has like a timeline, you're just like, right, we'll do this then, we'll do this, we have to have this done by that, we have to shoot this video by then, we have to get this artwork ready by then. Oh, and then it's like, oh, we need to think of something cool. We need to go get pictures taken of us because we don't like getting pictures taken of us, <laughs> which is which is hard. hard when did you do the the cover shoot? We did we did that. That was the first thing we did. We did that before the album was even mastered. So that was we went we did it with our pal Bovine. And that was originally just going to be a, like a bunch of promo shots just to help yeah. the first single and all that. And then he, then he did this this one shot of us all at this table. And it's like, ah, yeah. Bovine, you're onto something. That's the album artwork. <laughs> right, we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> Where did you get the little skull glasses as well? Because they're so cool. That's from Pelinutini. Uh, when we supported Pelinutini a couple of years ago, he, he bought us a bottle of Cristal. And that's that's just that. I didn't actually realize you. Where did you support? Was that at Hogmanay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he bought us on the first night. He bought us that Cristal vodka. It's not bad. Oh, it was the second night actually. But, but yeah, so we just, I just have that sitting around. It was like, oh, let's fill it with, let's fill, let's fill it with water and, and paint. Oh, <laughs> <Like, laughs> <I don't> fine. <laughs> like, and that that album cover is actually two pictures put together. Is it? Yeah, the, the table was tiny. Like the table was so small. You could so only, you like photoshopped and stretched yeah, out. Yeah, you can you can only. I mean, the table was literally. Like about a meter. Me and Mary had to be really close to each other. Wait, so is it you and Mary are a separate photo from Duncan Dun- and yeah, 
Duncan and Matt. Matt. Yeah. And then Bovine just stitched them together and then made the table look like really long. <laughs> I like it, it's cool. Mm. Have you always been like so passionate about the bands like almost aesthetic is the word, you know, the visual aesthetic of it. It seems like you've got such a hand in all the videos and like the album artwork and it's kind of got a bit of a it's like a DIY kind of feel to them as well, some of them like the videos. Yeah. Like quite kind of lo-fi sometimes. I, I like that though, I think because we, we I mean, we, the, the biggest budget video we did was with Eric and Casper and that was great and I feel like we, 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 brought, we both brought our styles to that definitely. I mean, like, because their videos look incredible. They are amazing. And then... Did they do the French exit one as well? Well, they, they, that's, that's the one. They, yeah, the massive. Yeah. yeah, they did the French exit one, and that was great. But, I mean... At the Such cent- a cool video. Uh, at the centre of it is, like, an Ikea wardrobe. You know what I mean? What, in the... Oh, when the guy goes into the thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's, like... We had to get this door, and we're like, oh, we can't get a door anywhere that stands up by itself. It's like, Eric, let's just go buy a wardrobe. It's fine. <laughs> like, it's, and, it's so well edited together as well. Oh, that's Eric Casper, man. Yeah. They're the best. I didn't actually notice Alan was in that video until I was re-watching it for this. And then... He's really good at roller skating. He's was really, he roller skating He's that? really good at it. Like, we had Firewater to ourselves. Uh, Alan from Pleasureheads, by the way, shout out. Uh, we had Firewater to ourselves like for, like, the, the main building for, like, Sunday morning. We were in there at, like, nine o'clock on a Sunday morning, shooting those roller skate scenes and then we moved into the Casbah for like the nighttime stuff and all yeah. that you weren't on the roller skates were you? oh <laughs> nah I thought because I remember Mary's on them isn't she? Mary isn't actually on them like she's just standing in the middle of stunt double yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah so I mean it was Alan and Leah Ritchie I believe who were roller skating both really good roller skaters would have expected that from him man yeah. of many talents very very good very very no. good but what you're saying about the style, we've always yeah yeah sorry the business style. Sorry, we've always thought we've always thought about that. It always has to be because we used to, it used to be when we first started. It was like choose a color and everyone dress completely in that color or else. What color did you pick? Well, it was red first. Well, it was per gig though. I remember those promo shots actually. Yeah, you were all in red. Yeah, yeah. Alex got to them and it was like red, the green ones, the purple. Then it was like. We, we went to do the EP. Did you run out of colours? Yeah. We went to the EP and we asked Kate Miller. I was like, Kate, choose a colour for us. And she went, this colour of pink. And we're like, cool. And we just went for that from now on. <laughs> yeah, that's what stuck, yeah. Yeah. But the, that EP was The Knife and there was another one on that as well, wasn't was there? The Knife, This House, Bottom of the Ocean, Days Go By and Your House. How did the Days Go By and The Knife compare to what's on the album? Oh, so different. Yeah, really? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I listen back to them now, like, on my iTunes. And nah, because we can't, yeah, they're gone, we yeah. can never get hold of them again. <laughs> they belong to me, maybe we'll be out whatever thing, I don't know. But yeah, the, I mean, those were completely done in my house. Like, everything, all the drums, everything was done in the gaff. And I, did, I just like them both. Like, I like I like the, the full studio versions and I like the home ones as well. Because there's, there's just different things that happen in each of them. I guess as well because you attached like your own kind of memories and like a time to that, and it probably reminds you. Of very, as well, yeah. yeah, very much so. Yeah, it must be weird listening back to stuff that you've done, not just the demos, but like the songs, like what they were kind of written about now. Like, yeah, is it weird hearing back? Or... I think. So. I mean, I, I never really write about events. More about, well, me and Mary, we don't really tend to write about like 
oh this thing happened to us one time we tend to more write about like maybe how we felt yeah. at a time as opposed to like a thing that happened and connected but more like the feelings and maybe a kind of broader scope of that how that feeling maybe evolves over a certain do you always know what you're writing about uh, yeah we'll, we'll go in and we'll just say like right here's the instrumental more or less what we're writing about today Mary says oh we'll write about this and then we'll write about that <laughs> and we'll just we'll just stick to that theme because I, I do think that like keeping and keeping like thematically coherent is definitely important yeah it's a good song especially when you like you've got me just trying to put like weird things that don't make sense in the words <laughs> I think as well with the album the thing is that each of the songs although they're kind of sonically linked sound very individual and different and part of that probably is because of what you're saying there they're all written about very different things yeah I mean one of my Man Dies is probably my favourite song Dies. of the album how do you come up with a line like that for a pop song like to have that kind of run into the centre of it but it'd still be a pop song it was... well it's patter isn't it it's like it was Chris Ballantyne coined the phrase Man Dies and then I just thought that was really funny so like we all thought it was dead funny and I thought you know what that rolls off the tongue that absolutely that absolutely rolls off let's write a song about it and then yeah are you always listening out for stuff like that always Digging. always absolutely have you got notebooks and stuff that you I'm, note down I, t- I take notes of interesting things I hear people say like interesting like interesting ways people say things as well like little short phrases you're like that could definitely be a hook so that's interesting. So you're almost you're almost looking out for like the rhythm of it, yeah. Every day, I mean, also looking out for like how repeatable is it if someone says something like interesting and then our person repeats it and then I don't know, say if you're out at a, a festival or something like that, and then obviously a lot of time if you're there for like five days and someone just says something and that catches on as the part of the weekend. You're like, why is that the part of the weekend? Why is everyone saying that? Because it's funny. <laughs> But also, there must it's be memorable. Some, there must be something else. There must be something rhythmic there. There must be something almost lyrical to it. Yeah, the the process in the studio with Paul. Yeah what was that kind of what was his kind of philosophy and what was that kind of like so uh, he, he did leave us to our own devices quite a bit but when he definitely did give us a good, a good amount of guidance like when and where we needed it so I mean when when, when we started as I said we went in and drums and bass got all that done and then we just started we just got a big whiteboard out and just clicked off one by one guitar this track guitar that vocals blah blah synths we didn't really focus too much on synths at the start um, at all. We just we that's why the kind of album sounds as guitar-y as it does. Yeah. Because we were like, it 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 made more sense to do synths in our own time, as opposed to like kind of waste studio time, because we felt like when you're in the studio, that's when guitars need to get done. That's when vocals need to get done. Bass needs to get done. Drums need to get done there. Whereas synthesizers, you could go home at night with a mix and bring synths in and just yeah. put them over the track and you know it works because you've done it at home already and then you've you've saved a lot of studio time still a lot of studio time saving. time is money yeah. time is money like although once once we'd, we were like satisfied with the tracking and all that we um, we went in and well, we did the mix so we did like one song a day 
and during the time Paul was mixing, we would go and do extra stuff in the live room. So I brought my full studio set up. He would mix. We would do like three hours to four hours. I'd, we'd have the mix, his first mix from the start of the day. We'd go, we'd add keyboards, hand claps, extra vocals, extra loads of extra stupid things. And then we'd bring them back halfway through, get an update and a mix, go do that a second time. And then end of the day, bring it all together the mix. And then that was that. But the way the studio works, it's like, it's not, it's basically all analogue, all the effects and stuff. So there isn't, there is recall but it would take a long time to get a session recalled back up if you wanted to make any changes. So you had to be dead cert on the day. That was it. Yeah. That we were done. So, and it was it was quite it was quite freeing actually. You know, like that's done. Well, maybe there's a bit. You go back and listen to it. it was like, oh, tweak it a wee bit. You tweak it, but then it's just like, nah, man, that's it. That's 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 what's that's what's meant to sound like. If it ended up like that, that's what's meant to sound like. But if you know, if there was a big, you know glaring thing we would go back and redo it yeah. such as like was there anything like that that you had to go back and there was two things there was way there was part of my pronunciation on a few words in an orthodox which is a bit too over the top for certain bits which is understandable so we went and did that again and also there was we had to change we had to change quite a lot of lyrics in Holy Ghost how come <laughs> just, wasn't working, just, just wasn't working right? um, no I mean that and yeah <laughs> they weren't working they weren't working yeah. so we had to go back and redo all the vocals <laughs> in there and then once we did that we'd, we'd realise some of the old vocals were overlapping in double tracks with that uh, and it was like ah that been, you know it was fine was Holy Ghost a new one or had you had that one before Holy, Go- Holy Ghost was written in I believe 2016 Early 2017, 2016. You, you played T in the Park? It was after that. After that. It was in the winter. I remember. I remember being out in Edinburgh for the day on a Monday for some reason. And then coming back like at five, I was like, Mary, come write this song. Like, okay. <laughs> so then we had this, at the same time, we had the loop. And then Mary was like, okay, I'll write lyrics. And I was like, okay, you write the lyrics, I'll just structure this out. And then we went and did that had a tune realised got to one point got to like 10 at night and we're like oh we can't make a noise anymore but we've got the lyrics now is it right we'll, we'll just go to a, a car park somewhere and we'll bring like a small interface and we'll just record that's was like in the backseat of your car you know that's essentially we had, we're missing a few lyrics like where are we right now ha ha fine <laughs> like, but it's yeah do you find all the songs have quite a different does, it, does every song that album have a story behind it like in that sense the same way that you were speaking about there, the way that was recorded and the way you came up with that yeah. Is it all of quite a unique, different place that it comes from? I suppose, like, I mean, if you asked any tune, I could tell you like when and where, but I think Holy Ghost was definitely the most interesting. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> was this the first time as well that you had gone into a studio for quite a long stretch of time? Yeah, yeah. What, had it just been singles in for a couple of days before? Or? Yeah, so it just been singles. So, I mean, how we'd even worked in the past is we would record everything in the, in, in the gaff. And we'd go to Lewis Andrew in Park Lane, yeah. And we'd spend a day mixing it. And we're like, because you did you self-produce? I take American as well. Yeah, and it was it was interesting with that one actually. That was tracked in Chem Nineteen as part of the year. I think maybe twenty seventeen actually. That they had their sound lab thing, and we were basically guinea pigs testing it out for, for, for the students who were working there and so we went away with the stems we brought them to Lewis and then 
uh, we, we went from there on that one, yeah. So. Yeah. Did you find you got into a routine as well with the album? Each day, the way that you were kind of working, or is it different? Definitely, definitely in the mixing days. The mixing days, hundred percent, because it was time limits, and we worked well to that. We worked really well to that. As as opposed when it was the actual tracking, it was like, ah, right, maybe not so much a routine, but just what what needed to get done, what had to be done. Yeah, well, like, like basically, what you said, that you had it very planned out, and it was quite regimented, and right. We're gonna lay down the bass and the drums. Then we're gonna do this, and then. Well, I think so. But when we went into actually guitars and stuff, it was a little bit more free flowing because we had the boards and all that what had to be done, and then we just decided what do we feel good about today? Do we want? Do we feel good about our vocals today? Are our throats not sore? <laughs> like, and if they are sore, oh, well, just some guitars then, and we'll do that. And it's like, oh, how many songs? Oh, we've only got we've only got four songs left. Like, that's fine. We'll just do that. Yeah. Did you just go through? through it song by song when you were pretty much yeah but maybe like I would do guitars for like three different songs and then Maddie would jump and do three guitars for three okay, different yeah. songs do it in blocks yeah do it in blocks and then we might, oh it's just this end the day with vocals just so we're not completely in guitar world all day you know I, th- I think <laughs> how do you keep on your game when you're in the studio for that length of time coffee <laughs> and, and you just you just need to keep well it's so easy just to like you obviously can't go into autopilot or it yeah, you, yeah. Well, well, I mean, it's, it's easy when, like, someone, say if, like, someone's in doing a take, like, for, th- for three tracks, and it's so easy to just, like, slip into into your laptop yeah. and just do some things, but you just need to, like, listen, because every part is, everyone's part is as important as each other, everyone was up for, every, every little thing was up for comment from the four of us, like, if someone was doing a take everyone else would be like well we need to listen does that work does that, does that is that doing fine but I mean that's where it came like that you are trusting the parts that they've written but it's more now it's the performance so everyone's critiquing each other's performance not in a, not a bad way but you have to be honest with each other you have, to, you have to be honest it's a debut album you only get one debut album exactly because you know if it sounds shit it sounds shit you're not afraid to tell someone it's like oh that was crap that was crap Jan <laughs> Don't sing it that way, <laughs> you know. But that's like it's the same way you said earlier. Like it builds on the trust. Like how you're saying that um, you can just trust the other two to go away and do the bass and drums for exactly. it and come up with it. You need that at the back. Exactly. And the thing is, like, I, I'd I'd rather someone told me what I was doing was was shit then, so you can make it good. Because yeah. otherwise, you're just kidding yourself. Do you feel like you've got quite a good judgment of what's good and what's not, or how do you kind of uh, maintain a sense of perspective when you've been? that absorbed in an album and working on it um but i think by by taking time away from it definitely like as i said when we went in for maybe like two to three weeks at a time on five days a week but then we were away for a month and so during that time i, I, I refused to listen to anything that we'd done because you could spend that entire month away just listening to the same things over and over again oh that's something sometimes to go yeah. back but if you if you come back and with fresh ears and you're just like oh well, that doesn't work anymore oh there should be more of that how long do you need to take away to get that I mean any amount of time as long as you just don't interact with it yeah and then you come back in without thinking that what everything you do is the best it's going to be no matter what you know what I mean it's oh yeah like, there must be a sense of kind of adrenaline and mm. when you're in the studio and you're kind of pumped up and excited because you're recording your debut album that must affect it and yeah way when you're there. Yeah, absolutely. It must be weird as well, though, listening back, like, yeah. with the fresh ears. Did yeah. it sound quite different when you came back to it? It definitely, yeah, it definitely sounded quite different. I, I always thought it sounded a bit better when I came back to it. Like, just because just I was like, <laughs> I'd listen to, I'd listen to like, the, the 12 songs 
over and over and over again once we got the masters in I listened to it like for three weeks non-stop and I was like at the end I was like I hate it I absolutely hate it it's terrible <laughs> <laughs> I didn't listen to it for like till, until it came out I was like aye that's fine it's <laughs> actually pretty good it's, it's alright <laughs> it does a job <laughs> did you record 15 songs though uh, 15 songs 15, 15 songs were recorded and then 11 are on the 11 are on, on the album what happened to the what are the other four are they gonna? Are they gonna they, make an appearance? They probably will make an appearance at some point. It was just like I feel that we ran out of time on on one song in particular. We definitely ran out of time, which was a shame. You'd so, want to do it properly then, as opposed to yeah, just kind of the version that you've yeah, because it was it was it was a big song for us, and we wanted to do it justice, but we just we just we just ran out of money essentially. Yeah. But on that, but we ran out of time, and it was like. I remember that was it was the last Friday before we left for Christmas, um, in twenty eighteen, yeah. and we we had like one or two mixing mixing days, solely mixing days afterwards, like after, in the middle of January. But they were like, that that needs to be for the final, just to make sure everything is done. And we said we can't do, we can't spend another day on this one. You still have the time. We don't have the time. It's going to be a detriment. Put you over else. budget, yeah. Well, over budget, but it'll be at the detriment of other other tunes, you know. I guess it's hard, but you do have to think about it as the broader picture. And you always got to, you know. Like, but then again, you hear about these bands that, you know, write a song and then don't release it, or don't it doesn't come out on an album until like four four albums down because they go back to it and revisit it. Yeah. In the long run, it could end up being a better song. Yeah. If you go back and do it like in two years or whatever. Uh, but like perspective on that is always better for songs. Yeah. I mean, in my personal opinion, especially this with Days Go By the original one and the new one is so much better the new one what's different about it it's is, got, does it still have the hookiness in the first one or yeah, it, the, 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 first, the, the first one only has one verse and it it says like the, it, there's like a minute of just at the start before anything happens but you know that's charming in its own way I suppose but yeah I mean I, I, all we want to do is the album is such a big undertaking. Yeah. Really, that I feel like we got a bit of cabin fever at certain points. We kind of missed it. It's like when you were just putting out singles, you didn't have to worry about this big picture. You were just like, yeah. single, next single, next single. And it was like, it, obviously we did that for a while, but, but we kind of missed that a bit now. So I think we'll, we'll go into that for a little bit. It must be nice to have the album with this completed piece of work that... You know what? It's it, it's for us. It's done exactly what we wanted it to do. We wanted it to be as a as a, a starting platform for us. So it's like, not we never saw it as this sort of victory lap sort of deal. It's it's more as if like, right here's the tunes from our first five years, yeah, cleaned up, put together. Now let's move on. If that makes sense. And I know it sounds a bit harsh. It's a, yeah, I know. What you, it's almost like a, a celebration of what you've been as a band so far. Yeah, but we were. As a celebration, but it's like in our minds we spent so long with these songs, and then we're starting to write new ones, and we're just in love with them. And it's just like, right, that's cool. The album's there. We've got that. That's there. We can just people can listen to it. We can all listen to it. We can tour it and all that. And but now let's let's hurry up and let's get on with the new music because time does not stand still. I think as well today with the way that Spotify is now, you can't. Stop putting out music. You, like, got, you, you can't take a couple of years off as a band. Oh, absolutely not. You've got a couple of years back. You like you, you got one. We've got one like one week cycles now. You know what I mean? Crazy. Which well, I think is a thing as well. Someone was saying that like Spotify, certain algorithms and stuff, mm. 
are looking for bands that are putting out a tune once every six weeks and once every eight weeks. Yeah. And they want bands that are consistently putting stuff out. And see, to be honest, like, that's, that's a good way to go about it in this kind of modern age because, you know, we could have done that. We could have put out a tune every six to, like, every six weeks with all the tunes from the album. You know what I mean? Wouldn't, so then that wouldn't be an album, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, that would, if we put it out, that would be a compilation. But... You know, I mean, I think it's definitely doable for for bands now, especially with like to put something out every like. Well, six. I guess it's money. That's something that kind of comes up as ah, yes, it's expensive yeah. to go in and record and produce. Uh, uh, absolutely, but it depends whether you take things into your own hands or not. Well, I suppose you you guys are all still it still all begins life like in your kind of home studio, doesn't it? Yeah. So, and I, I, I love I love it when people make their own home studios. I think it's brilliant. I, I love I love sometimes I think that home demo recordings of tunes that people have shown me before they went into like a like a bigger studio sometimes I think they're better like they're, yeah. more, they're more idiosyncratic you can you can go too far with stuff as well mm. that must be was there anything on the album actually that you kind of kept pushing in a certain direction and kind of had to pull it back a bit and be like nah it's a bit too much or? I think maybe the yeah there definitely was a few because <laughs> like, I'm just like sitting there in the mixing days I was like oh I've got this thing guys come listen to this and I was like I was like Donald like, like just like John this was terrible <laughs> like take that away like aye that is bad <laughs> like you know like that's why it's good to like have people around you yeah you need that yeah I can't imagine being a solo artist actually be rubbish. Be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, who are you going to talk to when you go on tour? I guess you've got session musicians and stuff like that that you can. Oh, they cost money. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Do you like being in the studio? Do you enjoy being in there for that kind of concrete bit of time? Or? I do. Yeah, I. Because the studio sessions on the whole are genuinely hilarious. A lot must. Is that like being on tour? Yeah, but it's, the difference is. You can lie down and go home to your bed at night and yeah. get a cup of tea. Yeah, you can absolutely, and you, you can you can you don't have to sit in the one place for eight hours in a van. <laughs> like, yeah. So, but yeah, it's, I mean it's all camaraderie and all that. I love the atmosphere of a studio though, just the vibe when you go in there. Yeah, just, I think it's even, cool. I think it's amazing when you go in, like good studios will have that consistent vibe. Like Kem has a consistent yeah. vibe. Right now we're in Seven West Studios. It's got that vibe. You know, it's got it's got it's always got a good vibe in here. Especially when you go into. The uh, no, what's the room next to the recording room? And you've got the vinyls and t-shirts and stuff up. Yeah, the walls yeah, the, 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 the control room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always a good time. Always a good time in there. Like, yeah. who um, mastered your album? Robin Schmidt from Twenty Four Ninety Six Mastering in Germany. How do you how do you pick who masters? That's something I've actually always wanted to ask about. And it's the first time I've asked it. Mm. How do you pick who masters an album? I looked at the back of. The last 1975 album saw who saw who mastered it, emailed them, got a quote and did it. <laughs> but, but 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 nah, but there was nah, there was more of that. Like we 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 all went through like our favorite albums yeah. and all that, and we went through list of who mastered each of our favorite albums, and we thought, right, does that gonna is that gonna suit us? You know, we looked at a lot of like block party albums and a lot of like. I've never actually thought of you in block party before, but now as soon as you said that. Yeah, to hear the guitarist from them, and that's it all just clicked into place. So Nick, we were like, "What will you sound like?" Because we want to sound like two thousand and seven. Because you know, loaded doings. But yeah, it was just Luke Road. We went through all our favorite albums, looked who mastered it. Most of the time, we found out that most of our favorite albums have been mastered by the same person, and we're like, 
wow. You're, and then we listen to them next to oh, that, those actually sound the same. So can you hear that in the music now that when you go back and listen to it? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it does sound a bit similar to... He's, he's got a style, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a, that's where we went because we felt it was the most natural because we recorded our album, 96 kilohertz, which is completely un, unnecessary <laughs> and unheard of, and it was an absolute pain really towards the end when tried to yeah, you couldn't add any more tracks because the computer was a bit of crash and I don't know, we knew we knew I mean ninety six kilohertz is on his name as well, so it was good. <laughs> but yeah, we went through and then we just put up the quotes got the quotes and that blah 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 and yeah, we went with Robin. How um Masters is an interesting one to me because what actually is that doing? to your music as someone who doesn't make music um, so what is that adding to it because obviously yeah. it, it feels like you know you work with a good producer but it seems like you can send your music off to have it mastered by you know people get their stuff mastered at Abbey Road for yeah so essentially what the act of mastering is mastering is a dark art and if anyone listening knows about it more than me comment and subscribe in the box below I don't know <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, I mean, leave it's, us a nice review if you're listening nice review uh, it's, I mean it's essentially like so say you go in you go do your mix and you've got everything and it generally might be a bit quieter so mastering is essentially getting frequencies that the mix engineer might not be able to particularly spot in the mix that may be a bit harsh so a bit of things but just because of the room that they're in so like not all rooms are ta- like rooms that are made for mastering are like really tailor made so you can hear frequencies really that so they'll just like yeah. smooth that out and essentially if the song's quiet maybe make it louder maybe like make it breathe more it's about it's a weird thing it's like it's basically polishing yeah it's almost like making it HD yeah yeah or it's more refining even so it gets yeah, it ready just so getting rid of all the cracks and all the yeah so if there's like maybe there's like you can't hear because the size of the room dictates that you can't hear a specific frequency and like sometimes a voice does something and it comes it, quite harsh at points the master engineer can go in and they can like just soften that just to make it so it'll be different when you hear it in a car or like you'd hear that it's weird how music sounds in a car actually compared to yeah what was I listening to in the car the other day but it was just I think it was Jaws actually yeah Do you like Jaws yeah never really listened to Jaws nah it was the last album I heard it in a car the other day for the first time it's certainly completely different what should I listen to Jaws. Jaws, last album, it's fucking mental. Yeah. Cool. Well, I don't. Um, well, I'll blast it on in the car when I go home. Like every every song's different on it. Almost. Yeah. Um, I try to think it's okay, it's kind of your indie rock, but love to see better. it, man. Love yeah. to see it. I'll get that. I'll get that banged on. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you think your album overall is an optimistic or a pessimistic record? It's. There's a lot of dark thoughts in the album, like. I don't necessarily know if it... I think it probably leans towards the optimistic. Yeah. I, I, I say that just because of the, the last line in the last song. It's like, you got this, buddy. But, like, there's a lot of dark thoughts in it. And a lot of dark things. And I think it just depends on whether you you feel like talking about it as an optimistic or a pessimistic thing. It may be neither. It could be just a therapeutic thing. I think that's for us anyway, like writing about yeah. started, it was definitely therapeutic. That's yeah, you're I, getting that out yeah. helps, yeah. So I, I just, I mean, I think we really just saw it as, as a bit of therapy, really, as opposed to whatever came out. Do you like, find music as therapy, do you think it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. Is that one of the things that hooked you in to start with when you first started getting into it? Or? 
What did I listen to? I mean, when I first was into music, well, obviously we grew up listening to Daft Punk and all that. But when the first one of the first bands that had really records that I'd really listened to was that it was like wow, I like that was Crossed by Justice, and I just loved this the sheer just how ridiculously heavy and aggressive it sounded. I was like, what? How are they making these sounds? Why does it sound so angry but so danceable? Yeah, and that's that's what got me into that though. Dance music, I always love dance music. What's our other dance kind of? What was your kind of classic dance albums that you come back? Actually, I remember saying when I was researching for this, yeah. it was the EP that you put out. Mm-hmm. One of the influences you listed on it was Calvin Harris's second album. Calvin Harris's second and first album, absolute classic masterpieces. Absolute. Second album's mental. Yeah. Second album's fantastic. Like, second album's but do you? I think the second album's better than first. Do you kind of? I I find it hard to compare them really because. The it's first, a big progression. Yeah, I mean, the first one is absolute DIY bedroom stuff, and I love it because of that. But the second one is just so clean and so cool, and just that song, uh, "I'm Not Alone." Yeah, man. Oh, I remember one when, of my favorite songs. Probably. I, I remember first hearing that. I was like, what? What is this? What is this nonsense? <laughs> or the one that was in the Coca Cola advert, the yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, la la la. Yeah, that was like. <laughs> what's going on <laughs> do you venture into stuff past that or yeah, yeah, yeah of course I mean I think yeah he's always Calvin Harris himself he's always got a, he's, got, he's got a good ear on him yeah like and I mean we didn't listen to the I, I loved 18 months that's when that's that the one with where every song is basically a massive single yeah everyone, yeah. everyone was like a, like a top like number top 10 or something like that and there was some absolute I mean, bounce with Khalees there was like that was Insane. Is that the one with the bounce? You know, it's like I mean, at the time, I was like forty or fifty. I was just like, ah, shut up! I don't like pop music. I like, <laughs> I like mindless self indulgence and uh, the cat house. Um, still like the cat house, so but uh, they're going back to it. Like, These are absolute pop masterpieces. Yeah. Maybe the fourth. Album, so well produced as well. Oh yeah, I mean, maybe the fourth album, Motion, didn't really, didn't really bother to be perfectly honest, but. Funk Laughs was pretty good as well. Yeah. And there's a one single, My Way, I believe. It's really good. I feel like it's a very underrated chin. That was out maybe like two years ago. <laughs> no, I'm not sure about it. So you put out, was the hit the first single? French Exit was the first single. The hit was the second one. And are you the, the only two off it? Or? Well, then we put, we put, well, we put Heavy Handed out. After uh, the... After the hit, but that was like a week before the album dropped. Just get people excited for it. Yeah, yeah. It was just, just as... Yeah, just get people buzzed and hyped, like, yeah, and more content. <laughs> with the hit, obviously, there's a lot of connotations you could take from that. Mm. But with the, the, the look at it from like a pop kind of perspective, yes, and what it's talking about there, perhaps. How do you measure your own success? What do you mean? Like, how do you, like? So obviously, that song's talking about the hit, which is kind of what you. It's obviously that thing that a band only needs one song. Yeah, the, oh, hit, the hit. Uh huh. Yeah, that's what gets them big. As a band on your own, looking away from it commercially, how do you measure whether or not you're being successful in what you want to do? I f- yeah, I feel. Uh, I I think I definitely feel a lot more at peace with it now than I did when that song came out. I think as long as ever gigging, you feel more at peace with what well, just, 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 just where we are and like the idea of success now. Yeah, because you know life is life. But I feel like I feel like I am successful when I'm gigging. Or there's a plan in place, like there's just stuff happening. You know yeah. what I mean? But you need to make things happen. You need to do it. That's that's how I kind of. As long as I'm busy, 
I'll feel like I'm good. Yeah. No matter what. Like That's quite a nice note actually to throw yeah. uh, there was one more thing I wanted to ask. Yes. Phoenix. Yes. That good band, man. Lovely, lovely I mean when you support like <laughs> you so obviously supported Phoenix of the Barrowlands. Yes. One of my favourite bands of all time. One of my favourite bands of all time. Like, that must have, that must have been a dream come true. They were, to tell your grandkids moment. Oh, absolutely! They were incredible. Like, I remember when we we got we got the message through, like maybe like six weeks before, on the Monday, I was about to go to work, and I was just like, I was like "Oh my god, I can't believe this! This is absolutely nutty." Did like, you get to meet them at it? Oh yeah, we went up and talked yeah. to them afterwards. It was the bassist's birthday, so we walked in oh, nice. and it was like it, it was having a big party. So, but it was cool, man. They were really really nice. They're the most French band very <laughs> French I mean I'm trying to think of a more French band I, like when I've, I've watched a lot of interviews with them and stuff and so French oh it's so French good, good. I don't know I, I love a lot of French bands though That's I interviewed a really cool band uh, Psychotic Monks you listen to them Psychotic no I'm really looking. really fucking heavy band one of the best live bands I've ever seen yeah so them at uh, broadcast I saw them at to a crowd of about 15 people maybe nice and just fucking mental so good played let, for about an hour and a half and just let me what w- w- I'm going to take a note of that it's like Cotty Monks sorry they were yeah they were good guys to chat to as well nice very French also one thing they were speaking about actually we had a chat about relating to your band yeah that being vegan in France is a big no-no apparently no it's because they're from Paris and there's like one vegan restaurant and I mean my, my, my auntie got married in the south of France a couple of years ago and I think I had like just like plain pizza every day for five days. Just nothing that's not got me in it. <laughs> that was just like, nah, mate. <laughs> like, like take 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 that back up to your fancy Glasgow, you know? Like, you that's what's good for being a vegan. Yeah, it's amazing. So much stuff. It's brilliant. Like, I guess the question on everyone's minds is: Are you still just vegetarian, or have you gone? I'm still just vegetarian. I've not gone vegan yet. I will go vegan in the near future. Yeah, but like. Well, actually, it was my, it was my six-year anniversary of being veggie the other day. Why did you decide to go in the first place? I like animals. I think, I think it's wrong that people eat them. Like, yeah, I'm talking to you. <laughs> your, your lamb shank in your hand. Listen at home. <laughs> I've got a leg of lamb in my hand, and I'm just tearing into it as we're having this conversation. Talking to all your, your listeners who are currently enjoying a lamb shank right there. <laughs> Put that down. <laughs> Uh, do you like a vegan sausage roll or from Greg's? It's, in, it's, it's fantastic. It was absolutely a revelation because I've not, not had one since 2012. Would it's, you make a corn? Uh, you know, good. Uh, go, make the whole range vegan, you absolute cowards, but good. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's... I think like the vegan sausage roll, but I'm doing it, Greg's, it, it tastes different to corn. I don't know. It does, yeah. I, it's I, something about it. It tastes, it tastes great. Not huge on the steak bake, though. Not gone in for it yet. How is it? It's all right. I don't maybe maybe the state bakes corn though isn't it state bakes corn as well yeah. I mean it's it's good I don't I I'm not I'm not enamoured with it the same way I was with the sausage roll you know like so yeah like you said it was a revelation it, was it a, came out of the, unexpected suddenly yeah it was the best thing they ever did like KFC saved Greg <laughs> KFC vegan burger I'd say eight out of ten what is it corn or I think maybe I'm not sure. All I know is... I've never gone in for a vegan burger at KFC. I'd, I, I've never gone in at KFC in quite a long time. So. No, I mean, I went in just to try it. It's the first time I've been to KFC, like, even, like, was it like 2010 or something like that. And I'm like, oh, hello. <laughs> but, I mean, um, yeah, it's about 8 out of 10, I'd say. I feel like maybe I could do Words it. Words of state bakes down on that scale. 
six to seven. Oh, okay, I thought you were going for a five, but no. I mean, I I don't want to rule rule it away. I've only had one, but I feel like I've not had it at its prime yet. I feel like I could get a better one, but I'm going to a slightly better next maybe. Yeah, well, they're quite consistent, though, aren't they? Like they're pretty much across the board. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'll let you get away for a vegan <laughs> state bacon. What's up, Thank you very much well, for you. coming on the podcast. Oh, I enjoyed that. God bless. Thank you very much. Thank you, and good night. Good night, everyone. Take care. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.